Hey, it's Nikki, and we're throwing back again to episode 65 with my dear friend, Allison Martin. Allison is the creator of Engage Mentoring and super passionate about mentoring as a practice in our lives. She gave a great quote in this episode, you should never stop mentoring and you should never stop being mentored. I think this is a great time to look at how important mentors and relationships are in our lives when we're all struggling with isolation. 2020 has been a challenge for having connection and mentors can be so powerful. So you know, just a challenge to you and listening to this is where are you showing up as a mentor and who is mentoring you? Enjoy it. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Today, we are talking about mentoring. Did you know that 77% of companies with mentoring programs say that mentoring improves employee retention and job performance? 79% of millennials believe that mentorship programs are crucial to their their career success. This is especially important because by 2025, 75% of our workplace will be millennials. So mentoring, look at that, has a powerful impact on driving engagement. And today we're going to learn from someone who's been an expert for many years in this area. This week, I am interviewing Allison Martin Books, founder of Pass the Torch for Women, author of Learning to Lead Through Mentoring, and CEO of Diverse Talent Strategies, a mentoring movement across the United States that's elevating people in the workplace. I want to dive right in. So how did mentoring become a daily topic and something that you're so passionate about? You know, it's interesting because it came over time with my own career in terms of looking back and reflecting on the advanced roles that I was able to hold at at early stages in my career. And it had absolutely everything to do with mentors. So people who really realized my leadership potential and were able to provide perspective, uh, who ultimately turned into sponsors for me. And I thought, gosh, if more if more women in particular had the level of access to really great mentors, it, it's just amazing what, what that can do for you for your career, as well as uh, just how far you go in life. Do you remember like one key person that instilled this? Like it was a story about your relationship with this one person that really made this come alive for you? I do. So as I as I look back, there are several people that come to mind, honestly. But the one that was really instrumental in my career was a woman by the name of Pat. Uh, I first met Pat when I put my hat in the ring for a position that I was wholly unqualified for, and she gave me an interview anyway. And I ended up working for Pat uh, for a period of time, and she was both someone I reported to, but also a mentor for me, which al- not always is the case for most people. But she was she really took me under her wing and gave me the feedback that I needed when I needed it. And that's not always fun, uh, but that's what ultimately helps you grow and also served as a sponsor for me. So when leadership positions opened up that she felt like I was ready for, or had the capability for, she was right there recommending me and introducing me to the right people in order to make it happen. So I give a lot of my early career success to Pat, who was both a mentor and a sponsor for me. 
Oh, that's great. Love hearing that story about your and Pat's relationship. I want to transition into really what this show is all about. We're so passionate about employee engagement and helping more people love Monday just as much as they love Friday. And leaders are hungry to understand how to do things different to really drive this concept of employee engagement. Now, I know everybody thinks of it different, and I'd love to hear your definition. How do you define employee engagement? Employee engagement is so multifaceted, but it's it boils down to some pretty simple concepts. Uh, employees who really see the bigger picture and understand how they fit. I, I think also matching the right talent to the right position. So if an employee feels like they're fully engaged and they're bringing their best selves to work and they're able to do what they do best and, and own their unique talents, uh, that's another piece. I also think employees need to feel like they have a path and, and see what that path is and that uh, ultimately, and I think perhaps the most important is that someone in the organization cares about them and cares about their development. So all of those things contribute to an overall picture of, of employees who are engaged. And it's so, so incredibly important. And yet the numbers tell us that that's not ha happening in a lot of cases. But those are the things that I think are most important when I reflect on employee engagement and what it means to have to be highly engaged as an employee and to foster a culture that really supports a, a high level of engagement. As I did the intro of this show, we heard these amazing statistics about mentoring as a strategy to impact change in an organization, really catapult engagement in the culture that these leaders are yearning for. So how and why is mentoring a great way to impact change and really drive engagement in an organization? For a multitude of ways. And so on the surface, you look at mentoring, you think, okay, that's a learning strategy. So we're going to help people who have knowledge and, and wisdom to transfer that knowledge to the next generation. And certainly we can all agree that that is an important piece of this. Uh, but mentoring also impacts employee engagement because like I said, feeling like there's someone else there who is pouring into you, really cares about your development is a critical piece in the overall engagement. Uh, it also impacts uh, diversity inclusion. So being able to connect to others on the basis of, of the knowledge and really being empowered to take charge of your own development. And then lastly, I think just an overall culture uh, in terms of when you teach people how to teach and how to lead effectively for others, uh, it just has a tremendous impact on the organization as a whole and on the culture as a whole, which ultimately leads to a higher level of engagement because employees feel supported. They know where to turn when they, when they need answers and they feel like someone cares about them. That's great. And I want to unpack so much of what you just said, because there's just so much to it that I know our listeners want to want to learn from. Um, my first question is when you're bringing a mentoring strategy into an organization as a new concept, what should we look for as far as barriers to adoption? Or is this something that usually employees just jump right on board with? Like, what is it like to onboard a mentoring program? And what should we be looking for? When we work with a with a company, regardless of the size, we, we first think about who is that who is that audience that really needs the most impact? And many times it's both people leaders as well as emerging leaders that we, that we want to have, we want to impact because what, what we're doing is teaching them the skills to be in, in a really easy way, in a formalized process uh, where they are actively mentoring and being mentored and really understanding how to approach those conversations on either side strategically. So when we work with an organization, we first seek to understand what they're trying to accomplish 
accomplish with their mentoring program. And typically, if they're looking for a good place to start, we say, if you have employees who are leading others, we really want to develop their skills, both as a mentor and as a mentee, as well as identifying high potentials uh, that can not only benefit from the knowledge transfer, but also develop those skills early because that's going to carry them well as they grow into future leadership positions. So uh, those are the things that we would typically recommend with a company. And it just depends on the size and the structure in terms of how that's implemented. The other thing that you asked was, you know, sort of how, how easily is this adopted by employees? And we find from a recruitment perspective for any type of mentoring initiative, uh, we either advocate for selecting people and saying, hey, we want you to be a part of this because we think this is really going to be beneficial for you and we care about you, we care about your development, and that's why we've selected you for this program. Or another alternative is, is to allow employees to self-select. But what we have seen time and time again that absolutely does not work is when uh, an employer will invest in a software or, or something along those lines and they just send it out to everybody and say, hey, come on, come on, we have mentoring, sign up. Uh, that just doesn't work. It, and so uh, the, the recruitment process really either has to be a self-selection by the employees uh, or they need, need to be made to feel special as part of the recruitment process in terms of why we selected them. And, and from that, uh, we see a, a much higher level of engagement, employees who really embrace this opportunity and get excited to uh, to meet new people and cultivate new relationships in the organization. Yeah. And just makes for such a fruitful experience in an organization, just building all these key relationships that without a program like that and without leadership that's emphasizing it, you may never truly you know, have those personal touches with others in your organization. So I'm a huge fan over here. I, I was just thinking through, you know, any form of developing a relationship, whether it's, um, you know, manager to team member or in a sales process, uh, developing the client prospect relationship. And I'm guessing that this is same in mentor to mentee. There has to be structure and a system to it. I'd love to know uh, how often do mentors and mentees meet one-on-one -on -one and what does that cadence or system look like? like in your recommendation? For our program, it's a little unique in a couple of different ways. One is it, it's a self-directed match where the mentee actually goes in and selects the mentor based on what topics they want to make sure they cover. So that's one piece of, of really the empowerment of, of being able to go in and select your mentor based on what your career aspirations are. The second is, and what you asked specifically was, how many times do they meet? And so the way that we have the program structured enables the employee or the mentee to select their mentor and through the software system, formalize the first three one-hour sessions uh, over the course of three months. So it's one hour per month that they would be meeting uh, either in person, by phone or by Skype, depending on geographic restrictions. And through that, they have a structured, uh, kind of documentation process to make sure that they're keeping the conversations on track and tying it back to the original competency that they were working on. In that third session, that's when they get to work together to determine how and if they want to remain connected and what that looks like in the long term. The reason we put the structure in place was to enable people to self-direct their matches, take take advantage, take charge of their own development, uh, feel empowered to do so, uh, have a safe place to have those first three conversations and lay a strong foundation, and then determine how and if they want to remain connected. We see a lot of mentoring programs that force people into a relationship where it may not be a great fit. 
And frankly, if you're working on one particular competency, after a few conversations and, and uh, you know, additional resources, you may feel like, you know, that was that was all that you needed. Uh, but in many cases, it's, hey, this has been great. I'd really love the opportunity to continue to work with you. So let's talk about what that might look like. Um, but the mentor mentee are empowered to do so. So I think one message that you just shared that many probably ask about is, is it okay to be selective? Like, oh, I'm just, just because I might've been recommended to this person or matched with this person doesn't mean that they're the absolute best mentor for you. And I think it's just really good to say like, it's okay that you need to continue to interview to really find that best match because this person is there to elevate your, your skill set, and um, it's a relationship and you got to be able to click. So I really like that you mentioned that in this. One thing I would add to that, there is, uh, so yes, I agree with you to, to be able to find the best match, and, but the idea of having multiple mentors for a variety of different topics and having a will, really well-rounded board of directors for many people is a new concept. They often think about having one mentor who's that all-knowing, all-seeing figure that, that guides them through their career. And although we all have those people that we call upon for sage wisdom and advice, it really is important to branch out and, and increase your visibility and exposure while at the same time growing your network of available mentors on a variety of different topics. So uh, that's, uh, that's what we teach, what we advocate for, and what we give them the tools to be able to do. I'm so glad that you just said that because on this show, it comes up a lot um, around um, aspiring leaders or the high potential leaders that these CEOs and presidents are identifying and trying to figure out what is the, what are the keys to really helping them stay engaged and, and to develop. So as you're sharing, you know, men mentoring, it's not just one relationship for a lifetime or one per year, you know, it's multiple based on different skill sets. What do you think, what's kind of the sweet spot on, you know, once a quarter or, or looking at a quarter at a time, how many mentoring interactions would a high potential leader be having based on your recommendation? The frequency is, it, it may vary depending on the quarter and, and what's going on and, and what's really needed for that, that particular time period. But we, we teach people to build a strategy around this idea of having peer mentors. So we define a peer mentor as somebody who is doing a job or a role that's similar to yours who does it exceptionally well. And so having, having someone that you can really learn from to help you grow your capacities in your current role is, is often overlooked and very, very important. The second category is someone you aspire to be more like. So someone you look up to, that may be someone who occupies a position that you'd like to hold in the future, or someone who simply embodies the characteristics and qualities that you want to develop within yourself. Another is a competency-based mentor. So in other words, if I want to develop my skills as a public speaker, or I want to be more effective as a team builder, I can go in and identify people who, who have identified that particular competency. And it's a much faster way to learn than going out and having to take a course or, or look at some other resource. And finally, the last category is having a career mentor. So someone who really understands what your career goals are and can help you really see a path um, and offer strategic advice for how, you, how you're going to get there. And so whether you have one person, all those categor categories or multiple people, uh, so it's not the frequency as much as it's really feeling like you have a well-rounded personal board of directors, if you will, with people who are highly successful and, and, and are uh, blended within those four categories. I love that concept of personal board of directors. 
How cool. So when it comes to diversity, because that's come up a lot, and I know it's such a hot topic right now, companies are struggling with their strategies. How do we enhance and increase diversity in our organizations? And I've read so much on mentoring being an impactful strategy, and I know you work in this a lot. Can you break that down for us? Um, Organizations that you've been working with, how are they using mentoring to grow diversity initiatives? We've worked with a lot of organizations who are really intent on moving the needle. So they're doing things like they're strategically recruiting to bring in diverse candidates into the organization. Uh, They're creating employee resource groups. They're doing a lot of really great things to create an environment where people feel supported and they feel like they have some access to relationships. But what we find in in a mentoring capacity is if you don't have a formal process for mentoring and you rely solely on on what we call organic mentoring, which means that yes, of course, all your leaders, they're, they're mentoring somebody, hopefully, and, they, and they're pouring into them and they're, they're thinking about succession planning and they're thinking about uh, investing in the next generation and, and sponsoring others. But because of the way that we are wired, and I'm not an expert in unconscious bias, and, and if you haven't had any sort of training or exposure on the subject, there's some great resources out there. Um, but what, what unconscious bias dictates is that we tend to mentor and sponsor people who are just like us. And when I first heard that, I thought, no. And then I realized that everybody I was mentoring was a 20-year-old version of Allison. And I, I realized that that's what we tend to do. It's because we connect on the surface basis of commonalities that we can readily see. And so when, an, when a company doesn't have a formalized mentoring structure, and let's say they have a leadership team that is predominantly occupied by one uh, diversity category and, and uh, you know, one gender, then they tend to mentor and sponsor people who are younger versions of themselves. So that makeup tends to perpetuate itself and, and employ organizations who do this are really missing the mark because we know we have so much data that shows how companies outperform. The more diverse they are, the more diverse their leadership team is, the more they outperform other organizations that work in similar industries because they have that diversity of thought. They're also reflective of the customers they're trying to reach. Um, and they have uh, they have a really highly engaged workforce. And so organizations get this. They know that the more diverse they are, the, the greater the results are on their bottom line, but they don't know how to accomplish that because, and they don't know why they're continuing to perpetuate the same diversity makeup. And it's often because they have no formalized structure for allowing those relationships to happen. And so, and, and also if you spend a lot of time and energy recruiting diverse candidates into the organization, the first thing they do is they look up And if they look up and they don't see people who look like them, they're caused to question whether or not they have a path. And if they don't see evidence of an organization really striving to change that dynamic, they're going to be caused to go elsewhere. And so then you've you've expended a lot of time and resources and money uh, bringing in great candidates who walk out the door because they don't feel supported and they don't have access to relationships. It's such insightful information. I think all of us can totally relate to that, but never really think about it. You know, of course, like, you know, if you look at the people that you typically attract and are mentoring, they are the younger version of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And so there's, and it, it's true. We don't pause and think about these things. We don't think about what it's like to be someone else. Um, but, uh, but when you, when you do pause and think about it, all it, all of it makes sense. And so, as you said, there's no malicious intent. 
there, there's a, I believe, I firmly believe, especially because you've, you've got the ROI and the, the numbers to prove it, the bottom line, uh, when we, we know if we're, the more diverse we are, the, the more high performing we're going to be. So we want it, but we don't know how to go about breaking down those barriers and creating an environment that's conducive to supporting uh, more diversity in the organization. And so that's what we specialize in working on. And, um, and it's, it's, it's almost like magic when you build a culture where people feel supported and they feel uh, like they have a path. It, it leads always to increased engagement, higher productivity and higher retention, um, which creates a really healthy environment in an organization. Yeah, absolutely. So this show, Gut Plus Science, the science side of it is really focused on the measurement piece and understanding the best tools that allow us as leaders to really keep our eye on the KPIs and make sure that the things we're doing are mattering and making a difference and moving the needle. When it comes to measuring the impact of mentoring, how do you do that? Well, when we work with any organization, we first seek to understand if they are, in fact, measuring employee engagement numbers and what those numbers are telling them. And so, uh, so through through diagnostic services, through through Amplify and, and others, just how how do you know, you know, what what what's our baseline? What is it that you're uh, you're you know now? And if you aren't measuring those things, um, you need to be because that that helps us really understand what it is we're trying to accomplish and what we're trying to impact. And so over time, seeing movement in the numbers of of people who are actively engaged, um, seeing uh, things like promotability as a result of structured mentoring uh, and uh, and really for any organization, uh, each one is different in terms of what it is we're trying to track uh, and what does success ultimately look like. So we try to seek to understand, you know, what are your employee engagement numbers telling you now? How are you measuring that? Um, and, and so that gives us a good baseline. And then through mentoring, are we trying to impact diversity? Are we trying to impact uh, you know, succession planning? Are we trying to really build the bench? Are we trying to create a, a, a strong culture? What is it that we're trying to do? Are, are we trying to see uh, promote more women in the organization? I mean, whatever that might be. Um, and so we create a schedule of, of regular surveys assessing the participation in the mentoring program, but we always track back to the employee engagement numbers and how we're moving the needle there too. Allison, our time is coming short here and I want to uh, wrap up with this question. So why do you think workplace mentoring programs fail or for our listeners who are like super excited to go out and start exploring this and putting something in their organization? Like what's the one warning that you want to put out there for them? Oh gosh, there are so many reasons that they can fail. Um, so I, I, I don't know if we have enough time to share all of them, but, um, but sort of the, what we see that, that, ultimately doesn't work is uh, where someone is being assigned to someone else in many cases because you're not taking into account what their true developmental needs are. You're not really preparing them for the discussion. So that's another piece is, is really the preparedness for, um, for how to even approach that conversation, whether you're be, whether a mentor or a mentee. Um, also just uh, elevating the, the visibility and having the right uh, the right mentors that are prepared for those discussions. Um, and I would also add the right technology. So I, I think scalability is, is an important piece. We see a lot of mentoring programs that have you know, 30 people in them, and it's practically someone's full-time job in terms of administration. Uh, and the programs that we implement can have as many as 7,000 or more uh, participants, and, and it's a scalable, we have the right metrics, people are prepared for the discussions. Um, so scalability is another thing. And so if you think about the resources for expending one full-time employee uh, to, to have a 30-person mentoring program versus, you know, being a small part of someone's job, regardless of the size, um, those are the things that we see 
you know, because what happens is if that employee leaves, then there goes the mentoring program. And so having something that's scalable, easy to administer, metric driven um, is so important and, and also takes into account the preparedness for both mentors and mentees uh, is, is what's ultimately needed to have a successful program. And I think, you know, what I've learned about mentoring over time and my experience with mentoring and seeing programs that have done great and others that haven't done so well in organizations, the thing that you keep coming back to is the intentionality of it. You know, starting with what are the key strategies that you're working on in the organization and then tying the mentoring program directly to those key strategies, not just as a, hey, we want to do something to be better and make a more a better place for people to work and develop our people just in general, which I think a lot of times is just a, a blanketed uh, program, um, just like more of a general program. And I love the intentionality and the strategy that you have behind everything that you're that you're sharing. And I would just encourage all of our uh, listeners to think about um, more of that strategic, intentional step behind creating that mentoring program, if, if that's something you're going to do. All right, Allison. So this is what we call our lightning round because our um, guests and myself, we want to learn a little bit about you. So just quick answers, you know, can be one word, two words, just, you know, really quick and short and sweet. What is the most important attribute of that you look for in a mentor? I would say self-awareness and demonstrated success. Recommend one book that's top of mind for you right now. Uh, one of the most recent ones that I read that really resonated with me is called Own the Day, Own Your Life. Uh, so the concept was thinking about uh, just, you know, on, on the level of what does the perfect day look like? Uh, how, what do I what do I get up and do first thing in the morning? How do I structure my day? What do I make sure that I'm I'm accomplishing each and every day on on both a personal and professional level? Um, and by setting that, as you said, intentionality, uh, you can really own your your life ultimately because you know how you're measuring up and and you can create the life that you want just simply by owning your day. And that is Allison Martin Books's theme: intentionality. This is your thing, your book, your, your mentoring recommendations. I love. Love it. So next question is, if you could recommend one activity for aspiring leaders to pour their energy into, what would it be? I think the biggest thing is growing your network of mentors. And obviously that's uh, the theme of what we're talking about today, but, and, and just growing your network in general. Uh, many times, if you work in an organization, you are, you're doing a great job and you think that I'm just going to I'm just going to come to work every day and I'm going to do a great job and I'm going to put my head down and somebody's going to notice. And it's really about being intentionally visible both inside and outside of your organization that you learn and grow as a person and also are someone that people think of when they're looking for uh, potential future opportunities. I can't agree more with how important it is to invest as much energy as you can into developing relationships, whatever you know area of that relationship might be, whether it's a mentor, a friendship, a peer. Uh, absolutely. So, Allison, this has been so fun, and I know a number of people have gained just wonderful information, and I bet people have questions, and they'd like to connect with you further. How do they reach you? Feel free to, I, I mean, we have a website, diversetalentstrategies.com. I'm on LinkedIn, so look me up on LinkedIn, or uh, you can always email us at info at diversetalentstrategies.com. That's info at diversetalentstrategies.com, and we would be happy to chat with you about any desire for any mentoring initiative. 
All right. So another fun show on the books for sure. And this brings us to the truth you can act on section where I'm going to summarize some key takeaways that Allison shared today so that you can bring them back to your next executive team meeting or next retreat and start to put some things into action on moving the needle on engagement in your organization, especially when it comes to mentoring. So number one, I think it's so important to consistently pick up on the theme of feedback being a crucial skill that any of the leaders in our organizations that are serving as mentors need to learn and and master. Feedback, so important because it really helps our people to grow. And sometimes those critical conversations aren't the easiest to have, but really understanding how to have those and feel more comfortable in them is key. Number two, helping our people have a personal board of directors. And I loved hearing from Allison today that mentoring is not about one relationship. It's multifaceted. It's all based on the many different angles of leadership skills that you're looking to develop and really um, having multiple mentors that serve as your personal board of directors for all areas that you're looking to grow in. I, I absolutely love that. Number three, leaders must participate. If we want to see engagement being driven throughout the organization by mentoring, we as leaders need to be mentors and we need to be mentees and really sharing our experiences. Just like if you're looking for your people to become more personal development and professional development savvy, we need to share what we're reading. Same thing with mentoring. We need to share our participation and our key takeaways and you know, walk that walk, if you will. And fourth is measuring the impact all comes back to the intentionality of why you're doing mentoring in the first place. So understanding where your baseline is when it comes to, let's say, diversity and understanding where your numbers are and where you want to go and being able to watch that trend specifically on measuring the impact of uh, mentorship in diversity specifically, I think is really key on the measurement perspective and just being super intentional with your program. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.